It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Saturday, August 12th, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Republicans who want to be president have been in Iowa, shaking hands, eating corn dogs, and sitting for interviews with Iowa's governor at the state fair, trying to leave good impressions behind this early in the cycle. Iowans are very well versed in a lot of the issues facing America today. And they ask very good, solid questions of all of these candidates. I'm Jared Halpern. President Biden and Congress are taking steps to block American dollars from propping up China's military and technology ambitions. We cannot provide funding or expertise that could harm our national interests or our values. It's just as simple as that. This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. The Iowa State Fair is a who's who of Republican candidates. It's that time of the campaign cycle for awkward photos of candidates eating or playing a fair game. This time around, though, it's also been a chance to sit down with the state's Republican governor, Kim Reynolds, for her fair side chats, as she calls them. Former Vice President Mike Pence told Reynolds. You know, I was always loyal to President Donald Trump until the day came that my oath to the Constitution required me to do otherwise. But I'll always be proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. And I'll always believe that we charted a course for restoring American security and prosperity. I'm running because uh, I think this is no time for on-the-job training. Reynolds gave each candidate a chance to talk about their past, their childhoods, impactful moments. And Miami Mayor Francis Suarez focused on how his family was exiled from Cuba. He talked at length about communism and socialism as Reynolds asked how to educate younger generations about the dangers of certain political ideologies. We have to disabuse the lie of communism. And if we don't do that, I'm telling you, it's the easiest sell in politics. It's so easy to say, hey, why don't we just take from people who have more and give it to these people? It never works It's never worked, and it's never going to work. This is not the first time all the candidates have swarmed to Iowa, as early as it may be. But a couple candidates, including Suarez, need more support before they can qualify for the first debate, hosted by Fox News on August 23rd. Well, it is exciting to see so many of the candidates here in Iowa. We had most of them for the roast and ride. Now they're out shaking hands at the Iowa State Fair. Joni Ernst is a Republican senator from Iowa. What you'll see is many of them, their messages, while they haven't changed, many of them are becoming much more known to the Iowa caucus goer. And so there are definitely people that are narrowing the field, wanting to hear from all of these candidates. And so they are flocking out to the Iowa State Fair just to hear more from these particular candidates. Yeah, tell us a little bit about this fair, because this is sort of like a marquee event in politics a little bit. And obviously, this is your state. You grew up on a farm. Like, do any of these potential candidates, you know, do they need to do some farm work to be like, you know, qualified to run for president? (laughs) Well, these these candidates, they don't have to do farm work. But yes, (laughs) I grew up on a farm in southwest Iowa. And so going to the state fair is natural for so many of us that grew up in agriculture. And it really is highlighting Iowa's agricultural sector 
but it is more than that as well. Um, so we will have many of the candidates. I'll escort a number of them through the state fair. We will do stops at the what we call the pork tent to where we grill pork chops. Um, we hope to get them over to the Cattlemen's where they will do a hot beef Sunday, you know, just walking through the livestock barns. So just making sure that these candidates recognize the importance of agriculture, not just to Iowans, but the importance of, of feeding our entire nation. And most of that comes from right here in the heartland. So they don't have to be an ag expert by any means. Um, many of us here in the state know all about ag, and we're happy to share that. But what we really want to see is that they can connect with the people that work in agriculture and that they will recognize and understand that being a farmer and rancher is such a noble career. And what we do for the rest of the country, um, it's it's just truly magnificent. And And if they recognize that, they can really reach the hearts and minds of Iowans. Senator, for those who often do meet that moment and, and, and get the hearts and minds of the Iowa voters, oftentimes, at least in modern history, they don't go on to be the nominee. Um, what What is it about, you know, putting in a, a good ground game, maybe in Iowa and New Hampshire, but then not going on to become the nominee? Well, the awesome thing about Iowa is that we are narrowing the field. And Iowa is, we're right in the heartland, and we're very inexpensive for these candidates to participate in our caucuses. And so you can come here and not be a bazillionaire and still be able to get your name out there, get your ideas known with these GOP caucus goers. And so it is a way of narrowing the field down. Iowans are very well-versed in a lot of the issues facing America today. And they ask very good, solid questions of all of these candidates. And so while even if you finish first um, here in Iowa, maybe you're not in the end the, the final candidate, but the point is that we give every opportunity to everyone, uh, regardless of personal wealth or their ability to fundraise in the big cities on the coast. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think this is the place to be. And I'm so thankful that our GOP has maintained first in the nation caucus status. <laughs> OK, Senator, so we've got to talk about it. What do you think any one of these candidates has to do to compete with the man at the top of the polls? It, it is Donald Trump. I mean, some like Chris Christie push against him. You know, others promise to pardon him, like Vivek Ramaswamy, if the legal issues end up, you know, being unfavorable to him. And others are sort of doing this dance, you know, like DeSantis saying they, they like Trump's policies, but um, it's time for new leadership. And some of the things he said he would do didn't get done. What What is the way here? or Or is there one? Well, I think that is up to those individual campaigns, and everybody has a unique way of of approaching it and how they close that gap with uh, President Trump. Uh, obviously, he polls very well here in Iowa. But again, I encourage our Iowans to keep an open mind. But uh, whatever works for a particular candidate, whatever they find is reaching uh, the broad swath of those Iowa caucus voters, that's what they should stick with. I think it is telling their personal stories. It is explaining to them how they are going to fix some of the failures of the Biden administration. 
And in the end, what we have to recognize is that we've all got to come together. This is about beating Biden um, and restoring the White House to Republican control. Um, so I, I think that Iowans, you know, if they abide by that, treat all of our candidates well, um, will ultimately uh, come together and support that final candidate, no matter who it is. Senator, to, to beat to beat President Biden, the Republican Party will need those suburban moms, those independents, those moderate voters. If Donald Trump is the nominee again, is there worry among Republicans that you know, that, that can't be done, that the, the moderates and the independents, the suburban moms can't be won back. No, I, I think we have a great path forward with uh, whoever our Republican candidate is. If you look at the number, uh, well, actually, let's address the top two issues here in Iowa right now. The first one is the economy. Our suburban moms really care about the economy, and they see, see that uh, President Biden has failed in absolutely every aspect of getting our economy up and going. And so I think that is something that touches home with them. And so whoever that Republican candidate is, I think we can shore up support. The number two issue is border, the southern border. Mm. Right here in Iowa, if you talk to those Republican caucus goers, it is really important that we secure our southern border. Every state has become a border state. And I visited with a sheriff uh, just a couple days ago at one of my county stops. And he said, Joni, he said, we are seeing fentanyl in our rural communities now. This touches every life and every community here in the state of Iowa. Suburban moms worry about their kids and the fact that their kids could pop what they think is an Adderall, something that they got yeah. off of Snapchat or Instagram, and then OD on fentanyl. That terrifies. That absolutely terrifies our yeah. moms out there. And so when they look at President Biden, who doesn't give a rip about the southern border, doesn't give a rip about the 300 people that die every single day from fentanyl overdoses, our moms get angry. I'm getting angry just talking about it. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, it's something that when we come together, we're going to support the person has, that has the right policies. And it is blatantly clear to Iowans that those policies, we can't trust Joe Biden to do the right thing. Well, but Senator, on policy, you know, Democrats felt very hopeful after issue one failed in Ohio this week. If it had passed, you would have needed 60 percent of voters to agree to change the state constitution rather than a simple majority. And conservatives wanted this because this fall, Ohio voters will decide if the right to an abortion should be in their state constitution. As you know, Ohio is a you know, red state now. But Democrats are talking about how this kind of thing might be the road to victory in 2024, you know, focusing once again on abortion. Is that their, their road? Well, I think, I think that will uh, certainly be a road that they will attempt to tackle. Um, but I would say that certainly we, we need to take a look at this issue and understand uh, where the voters are on this issue. Um, I support life wholeheartedly. I believe that there is value in every life uh, that uh, is brought into being. Um, but we also need to educate, uh, of course, the population on the value of life. 
And, you know, my stance has always been, too, that I would rather prevent a pregnancy than end a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And if we can bring more of our Republicans together on issues like birth control, uh, I think that we have a strong case out there. It is much better for those young women to have an alternative to an unexpected pregnancy. So if we can provide things like over-the-counter birth control to those that need it, I think that's where we absolutely can step in and support the right policy. Hmm. Okay, just one more for you. Um, I just want your reaction, your initial reaction to the Attorney General appointing U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware as special counsel over the Hunter Biden investigation. As you know, that, that deal over tax evasion and a gun charge fell apart, and now it appears the Attorney General is uh, making David Weiss special counsel. Do you have any, I guess, initial thoughts on, on that? My initial thoughts are thank heavens for the House Republicans that have really been providing oversight on this issue. Um, if they had not been pressing so hard on this, uh, we would have not seen this happen. We would not see that special counsel. Um, I know there's criticism of the special counsel, um, but my initial reaction is simply this, that at least we, we are this far and hopefully we see a fair and unbiased uh, investigation into Hunter Biden and his dealings uh, with foreign entities. Uh, but certainly, um, I, I think it's a good step forward and praise, you know, praise our House Republicans for being so diligent on this issue. It really does matter. But Senator, if, if having a special counsel means there's no time constraints on an investigation, do we not have any answers until after the election? You know, that could be. Um, but bottom line is there's enough there to have a special counsel. Mm. And I think enough of uh, of our American public, and I'm not just talking about Republicans, I think there's enough of the American public that have learned of what the whistleblowers have brought forward, the work that Senator Grassley has done, um, the folks in the House, um, Representative Comer and others. I think they see that this is not just a, an easy yes or no, but there's enough information out there that, you know, maybe we need to be a little wary of Hunter Biden and the big guy um, that, you know, maybe this does sway some of the voters that are just not certain about this president and the shady dealings that could have happened with some of our adversaries. Mm. Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Great to be with you. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.
U.S. dollars are propping up China's military and intelligence capabilities. At least that's the concern expressed in a new executive order outlined by the Biden administration this week. The order would establish new regulations and limits on U.S. investments in high-tech sectors in China, specifically advanced computer chips, quantum computing, and artificial intelligence. A senior administration official says the order is about national security and not intended to target economic interests. China's Ministry of Commerce warned about the right to take countermeasures. But across the government here in Washington, Democrats and Republicans alike are warning about the flow of U.S. money aiding companies tied to the Chinese Communist Party. In the House of Representatives, Republicans established a subcommittee focused on the CCP. The chairman, Republican Mike Gallagher, called the Biden administration's executive order a small step in the right direction, but with loopholes wide enough to sell the Chinese Navy's fleet. The top Democrat on the committee, Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, says it's also a good step, but he, too, wants to see more. We spoke about the committee's work and new steps Congress could take to limit U.S. investments to the world's second largest economy. And the reason why we don't want either venture capital funds or private equity firms investing in CCP-affiliated companies that uh, develop everything from nuclear program of the PLA, People's Liberation Army, to hypersonic missiles, to uh, artificial intelligence and facial recognition used to perpetrate the, the, the Uyghur genocide, is we cannot provide funding or expertise that could harm our national interests or our values. It's just as simple as that. So I'm glad that they did it. I'd like to see more uh, over time. Uh, and I think this is a good, good idea. I know in the um, way that they rolled this out, uh, senior administration officials said that this is not an economic action. It is a national security action. Is that how you view it? Yes, I think that from my standpoint, it's more about national security in the sense that um, we don't want to see this technology develop, certainly with our know-how or expertise, to be used against us. Um, now, could they get money from other entities to fill in the hole that you know our private equity or venture capital funds are leaving by not investing? Perhaps. But remember, uh, as we talked about in our last hearing, there are dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of what, what are called choke point technologies, uh, where even the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has identified the United States as being the leader or the innovator um, in expertise and technical know-how for those technologies. And we can't see that getting into the wrong hands of our adversaries. Should the United States, should consumers or investors prepare for, for retaliation? I know that, that the administration and you and Congress say that this isn't about economics, it's about national security. Um, the Chinese may view it differently, and, and they could impose their own sorts of restrictions on the flow of, of trade or capital into the United States, could they not? They already do. And if they wanted to adopt further retaliatory measures, they may. But remember, the Chinese economy is on a significant slide right now. The real estate market is tanking. There's 22% unemployment among youth. There's The economy is on the verge of deflation. And the People's Republic of China is the number one exporter of a very important 
uh, I guess you could say, commodity, which is high net worth individuals. People are fleeing China. And if they're not leaving themselves physically, they are sending their capital abroad. So in light of these particular issues, I think it would be um, I think it would be misguided for the CCP to enact any measures that could further harm their economy. I know that you were in uh, Iowa with some of your committee members. Was it last week, week before last? Um, Explain to me the connection between sort of the ag sector, agriculture here in the United States and, and the Chinese Communist Party. Unfortunately, the CCP has engaged in widespread intellectual theft to the tune of what some experts estimate to be almost $600 billion a year in intellectual property or IP theft. One place where where they are also stealing IP is in agriculture. So we went to Iowa to Republican Congresswoman Ashley Hinson's district, and Ashley hosted us for a roundtable discussion which is very interesting. One of the things we discussed were some of the recent cases of IP theft where they had individuals, the CCP had individuals who actually dug up hundreds, if not thousands of special hybrid seeds uh, from the ground in Iowa, and then tried to package them in popcorn bags and take them back to China via commercial flights. Thankfully, our FBI intercepted them along the way. Uh, we also learned about uh, individuals who stole uh, software that was designed by Monsanto to uh, basically design the next generation of seeds to withstand various forms of blight, again, which the CCP wants to steal. Now, you have to understand the PRC and the CCP uh, have a great uh, food insecurity problem. They don't have enough. They don't grow enough food to feed their people. Uh, But what we're concerned about is rather than engaging in trade and buying um, soy and corn and uh, other products and commodities from Iowa farmers, they're trying to steal the the seeds uh, that would generate these exports and then uh, basically grow it themselves and maybe one day displace our farmers on the world market. So that's a problem. The other issue that you let me actually follow up on on that. Is that connected? I know that there have been concerns raised about the amount of farmland being purchased uh, by by companies linked to China. Is are those two issues kind of connected or are they separate? Slightly separate, but connected in this sense, which is um, I I actually think that buying farmland uh, is more is slightly more related to them. CCP affiliated entities wanting to have land near sensitive military sites and others other places so that they can surveil uh, those 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 uh, sensitive sites. Um, now they have been buying some far, farmland. That's that's sure. That's for sure. They have also been buying different companies. Um, I believe that there's a uh, acquisition of Smithfield. Um, by uh, P- PRC actors. Um, so that is definitely something we have to keep an eye on as well. Let me ask about these letters that um, you and the chairman sent to BlackRock and to uh, Morgan Stanley. Um, basically, are you just trying to like alert them to, to where their, their investments are going, or do you anticipate writing legislation that would actually prohibit 
these kinds of private equity firms uh, from including these uh, Chinese uh, companies within their portfolios? Possibly, but right now we're kind of in more of a fact-finding mode. We want to understand why firms, private equity firms or other firms, would invest in companies that might be you know, involved in some of those activities that we talked about earlier, which is, you know, um, for instance, I know that some of the companies that we're invested in include shipbuilding, the, the, the state-owned enterprises involved with shipbuilding, with the construction of nuclear plants, but uh, that nuclear technology is also being funneled to the military side. Uh, also, also next generation military aircraft and the like. Um, we want to understand this issue better um, with the hope that we can also fashion legislation. Now, as you know, the Biden administration has put in rules, which you referenced earlier, which also overlap with, with the issues that we are talking about in this letter. So I think there's a lot of bipartisan agreement that this is an area that needs to be explored further. Um, and so we are we are trying to gather facts and information in that regard. I guess my question would be, what role should the federal government play again in in kind of limiting or, or telling private equity firms and, and uh, investment firms where they should be directing their clients absent sanctions, absent maybe issues related to military technology? That's not what, what these issues necessarily are. Uh, well, they, they are in the sense that we are interested in companies, especially that where investments and potentially know-how could assist those companies in harming our national security interests or our values. But let me go to another point that's somewhat related to it and was actually brought up by uh, experts at a, an earlier hearing before our committee, which is there's potential systemic risk or systematic risk associated with American tax, I'm sorry, American dollars going into a lot of these companies in this sense, which is that apparently the securities in which these um, uh, investments are placed are not the typical securities that are regulated under American law. There's no transparency. There's no ownership stake associated with these particular uh, equities. And so let's say there's an, a, a potential conflict with Taiwan. God forbid that there would be. We have to deter that. But let's just say that there is. It's quite possible that the CCP could nationalize all of those interests immediately and all those equities would vanish in smoke. Um, if that were the, the case, you could see pension funds. You could see investment funds. You could see other funds of ordinary people being adversely affected potentially in a material way. So that's why, in part, we're, we're also interested in this issue. That's an interesting point. So there is a, an economic sort of connection to some of this, trying to protect American uh, uh, customers of some of these firms. That's right. And, you know, I, as you might know, there are various pieces of legislation in Congress on this particular issue. Um, and I think that I think that thoughtful serious-minded people are trying to figure out, you know, what is the right answer to this and which piece of legislation um, should actually uh, 
be carried in Congress. But this is an issue that we have to deal with. Let me finish with this, because I know it is something that that you have warned about in your work with this committee and that this committee is focused on the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, the ruling government uh, in China. But is there a concern? Do you worry uh, that a lot of this rhetoric, a lot of this debate uh, could foment anti-Chinese sentiments here in the U.S., uh, putting, you know, Chinese Americans or, or Americans of Chinese descent um, at risk, increased risk of, of harassment or or worse, given some of the anti-Asian um, sentiments that we saw play out, for instance, uh, uh, during the pandemic. Sure. And that's why we've said, and Chairman Gallagher, to his credit, made it very clear at the very start of our proceedings, which is that our quarrel is not with the Chinese people, Chinese culture, Chinese Americans, Chinese origin folks. In fact, in many cases, the victims of the CCP's actions are precisely these folks. And therefore, we have to avoid any rhetoric, any xenophobia, anything that can be perceived uh, or received as being um, somehow uh, prejudicial toward Chinese origin people. In fact, you know, as you know, Chinese Americans uh, contribute mightily to our economy. They are some of our finest scientists and innovators and entrepreneurs, um, and they are just as patriotic as, uh, as you or I. And so we have to avoid any type of rhetoric along those lines, and we have to craft our um, policies and our messaging very carefully. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, I appreciate your time. I know your committee's work continues. We'll have a lot more of these conversations, and I appreciate the time uh, today, and have a great weekend, sir. Hey, you too, sir. Tomorrow on the Fox News Rundown from Washington, if Democrats sour on President Biden, is there a plan B before next year's elections? Fox News contributor Jessica Tarlov and Jessica Rosenthal consider the options. And hundreds of senior military officers are waiting for promotions because of a procedural game of chicken in the U.S. Senate. Chief Congressional Correspondent Chad Pergram explains. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Jared Halper. This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.